Hello, all you lovely souls who revel in embracing life just as I do. This is Nirja Malik and you are welcome into my world of I Embrace. And what do we intend to do here? We delve into the many layers and shades of my life, exploring resilience, positivity, strength, and the inherent fun in laughter that lies deep within each of us. Interludes from my own exciting and adventurous journey, my personal battles and victories that have brought forth innumerable lessons in my life. It is these learnings that I place on a golden platter with utmost humility for your personal consumption. My dearest soul listeners, the divinity in me bows down to the divinity in all of you. Once again, it is with immense pleasure that I welcome you into my world. And what do we talk about today? Death. A mystery to most others. A paradox to those who are still discovering life. But to me, it was never an enigma and neither was it a fearful end to existence. It was neither clothed with trepidation, nor was it a figment of terrifying imagination. For me, it was not necessarily a swirl of melancholy or a feeling of intense desolation. In fact, it was the release of a soul to be conjoined into its destined afterlife for yet another journey or onto eventual nirvana. I looked at death as a joyful and well-deserved liberation from the temporary shackles of human life, from its suffering, from its confusion and chaos, and from all the lessons learned to finally reach mukti, Nirvana, liberation, call it what you will. I grew up exposed to death from a very early age. It was not something that I had to discover. In fact, it discovered me. And this astounding occurrence took place when my paternal grandfather passed on. As a tiny, innocent child, attuned more to vibrations than words, the enormity of his death brought with it varied hues of emotions that I would be able to connect to much later, only in retrospect. What stood out was the worshipful and silent manner that this last and final farewell took place. 
the dignity with which my family in absolute unison conducted themselves was both surreal and ethereal all at once it is strange for a little one to remember with such clarity the flickering of the colossal flames that stealthily consumed my grandfather and inexplicably my reaction to this last rite was not either of curiosity fear or trauma of any kind but unknowingly one of total and complete acceptance pitaji as he was fondly called lived with bg in a large rambling home right in the midst of the tea estate in palampur himachal pradesh named ekantika it was skirted with huge verandas at the end of one of which was his personal medical consulting chambers having been a doctor in the royal medical corps he utilized his time dedicatedly dispensing free medical advice and treatment to all the village folk who would gather in droves patiently awaiting his attention in the midst of all this i always yearned to get hurt however small it might be so that i could impervious리 walk past the entire congregation my finger held up high to be treated promptly by pitaji on seeing me he would immediately drop everything pick me up sit me on the table in front of him and direct his entire attention on patching up the little scratch on his grandfather's finger at that instant i would glance around at everyone literally displaying a smile tinged with pride and triumph oh that glorious moment always made me feel so importantly imperial coveted and pampered by pitaji i was his little princess and let me tell you that feeling made me feel like the queen of the entire universe at this moment when i still go back into memory i get that feeling and perhaps it is what queen victoria felt or even queen elizabeth right through the ages and for however long they lived god is great reminiscences began to get linked with death as i grew older experiencing several bereavements over the years some of the memories were so fascinating that they themselves seemed far more surreal than the deaths of the beloved people that i lost i have always found it astonishing that when human beings discern they are coming close to the end of their lives they begin to exhibit a glorious aura from within how many of us have really noticed this it's an amazing experience especially if one is strongly attached to the person concerned as i was to my father's oldest sister 
1962, my aunt was admitted to the Tata Memorial Hospital in Parel, Mumbai, where she was receiving treatment for cancer. I was just an eight-year-old, little girl, often accompanying my parents to the hospital. Whenever the doctors and nurses came to attend on her, that was the cue for me to be packed off to the lobby at the end of the corridor outside her room. The times I was banished from the room was gleefully occupied by focusing my entire attention on creating cups and saucers, biscuits and fruits out of differently coloured plasticines so that I could triumphantly take my little masterpieces and offer them to her with utmost humility. She sweetly, serenely and smilingly on her part would gracefully accept them, taking small sips from the teacup and even pretending to bite the biscuits. Looking deep into my eyes, she would fondly express how delicious and tasty the tea and biscuits were. You can quite imagine that I was always in seventh heaven and in a space that was so filled with love. And perhaps that is the time when I realized that you really don't need to be verbal to express yourself. Just a smile, a touch, a look straight into the eyes. Eye contact, they say, is very important. And when the vibrations jump from one soul to the other, what more communication methods can you ever need? But one day, I observed something so charmingly touching that it not only left a lasting impact on my impressionable mind, but also showed me the depth of the existing bond of love entwining a brother and sister. As usual, I was busy conjuring up newer items out of plasticine and keeping an eye on my aunt slipping in and out of sleep. Soon, I heard my father enter the room and tiptoe softly towards the foot of the bed while picking up a blue plastic fly swatter lying nearby. He very lightly tapped his sister's feet with it, pretending to swat non-existent flies. She gently opened her eyes and smilingly looked at him. In their eyes I saw a love divine. For the first time in my tiny little existence, I saw an exchange of immense adoration and admiration between two human beings deeply devoted to each other and sacredly connected by birth. Incidentally, one of the few pleasures that my aunt indulged in was to relish food lovingly cooked by my mother which was devotedly carted by my parents to her every night to the hospital. One such evening, much against my mother's wishes, my father insisted on riding his friend's scooter left with them for safekeeping rather than driving our car as usual. On that fateful night, 
returning home with my mother, sitting pillin, balancing a rather oversized tiffin carrier on her lap, my father rode through the dimly lit road, looming endlessly ahead with not a soul in sight. Suddenly, out of the dark and dingy space, a man emerged, drunkenly swerving from side to side. My father, seeing him, slowed the two-wheeler to avoid him altogether. The man undecided. He moved left to right, right to left. And finally, when my father saw him walking away, he suddenly changed direction and came right into the path of the moving vehicle. My father instinctively rammed the brakes and consequently smashed his face into the scooter's handle. The force of the impact resulted in my father incurring 27 fractures, which resulted in him being immediately hospitalized for a period of six months, innumerable surgeries and a very, very slow and painful recovery. In the life of a young, innocent girl, sometimes traumatizing experiences may happen one after the other in quick succession. Shortly after my parents' accident, my mother, while looking after my father at the hospital, received the sad news that my aunt had expired. Keeping my father's physical condition in mind, this necessitated that they travel by an ambulance to pay their last respects and bid a final soulful farewell to his beloved sister. These were not the only times when death accosted me. There were several other occasions along the way and with each one of them, I became bolder, stronger and more receptive to this inevitable natural phenomenon. And it was because of this that I was able to cope with the death of my father in the manner that I did. 13th December 2012, Mumbai. My father had been diagnosed with cancer. My mother and I had taken it upon ourselves to personally care for him overnight. My sister would be there all day long to take care of the nitty-gritty and do the running around that was always required in such a situation. My mom would be next to him till two in the morning and I would take over for the rest of the time. I immersed myself in chanting innumerable mantras, including the Gayatri Mantra, the Mahamrityunjya Mantra, the Shantipat, and whatever other spiritual prayers that emerged from my memory, at the same time, intensely keeping an eye on my father. I could hear his breathing over the softly whirling sound of the fan. But when his breathing became softer than that, I raised myself on my elbows to see the gentle heaving of his chest, alerting me to the fact that he was breathing. I noted that the gap between each breath 
was getting longer and longer. By this time, I was incessantly repeating my job, learned through my initiation at the Ramakrishna Mission in 1988. And strangely, instead of mentioning myself in it, this is what I said, Thakur, I have done my job to the best of my ability. But when time comes for Papa to break free from his mortal coil, please hold him by the hand and lead him to your heavenly abode. Gradually, I came to the inevitable realization that there was no movement at all. My father had breathed his last and in terms of the mortal world was no more. What was my immediate reaction? I ran to my mother's room. I woke her up and I said, Mom, come and hold Papa's hand. And she got very worried. Is he all right? Is everything okay? I said, Mom, just come sit with him and hold his hand. I ran down the steps to my sister's house, unlocked it, got into her bedroom, woke her up silently and told her what had happened. She came running up the steps with me from the eighth floor, her house, to the ninth floor, my mother's. And she said, have you told mum? I said, yes. And she said, why? She's got a heart problem. And I said, no, just as you have the right to know, mum also has the right to know that he is no more. And then she turned to me suddenly, mid-step, and she said, You know what? I have some Ganga Jal. I'll go get it. So I went up. She came running up with the Ganga Jal. We may be spiritual and not religious. We don't know what the rites are. But we put some Ganga Jal onto his lips. And into his mouth. And then a scene where his father had passed away. Many years back, and I was a little child, everything happened very gracefully, very silently, very serenely, with a lot of love and affection. Of course, tears flowed incessantly, but the love that surrounded him by his wife and his two daughters, the cook who's been with them for 40 plus years, the other maids who were looking after him, the driver who came up to help us all, my brother-in-law, all the people present there. We just prayed for peace for his soul and for him to merge into the lotus feet of the Lord. And these are the words that I said in my mind again and again and again. Papa, you are in the light. Papa, the light is in you. Papa, you are the light. And I'm very grateful that 
Laliyanti, my spiritual godmother, shared these words with us because they have given solace to all the patients or all the people, all my friends who have lost a beloved one. Yes, repetition of these words definitely gives solace to the ones who are saying it and helps in the transition of the departed soul towards the ultimate goal of merging with the Almighty Supreme One. It has been repeatedly observed that once the life of a human being comes to an end, it leaves behind a legacy often never noticed by a few during its lifetime, but revered after death. My son Siddharth would often look at both my husband and I questioningly wondering as to which of us should be his role model. This was his perpetual dilemma and only he could go through a process of arriving at his final choice by himself. We had accompanied my father to the crematorium and when he saw his grandfather on the funeral pyre, tears of sorrow streaked down his grief-stricken face and it was as if enlightenment dawned on him suddenly and from the very depths of his being he uttered, I now know who my role model was. It was always Nana, Nana, Nana. Since I was in such intimate terms with death, having embraced it so often, it helped me when my patients passed on. My heart ached for the grieving relatives and I would ensure that they could share their sorrow with each other privately in another room at that point of time. They trusted me enough to be with their beloved one and oversee the final reading of the body prior to its return journey home in the ambulance before they went to the crematorium. Whilst the nurses were thus occupied, changing them and putting them into the clothes that perhaps they were married in, I would automatically recite my job willing that its vibrations would accompany the departed soul on its path towards reaching the lotus feet of the Lord. Sometimes, without even an exchange of a single word, I was silently able to convey to the inconsolable family the depth of my caring and understanding of the pain that they were going through. I feel that all this is possible only because of my intense belief that we are all one and that there is no difference between us. It is this interconnectedness that links me to all the people I come across and interwines their lives with mine. Whenever I revisit these deeply touching scenes, my heart overflows with a feeling of extreme and unfathomable fulfillment. I realize that God 
has given me an opportunity to serve my soul family not only while they are living but with his grace play a small part in bidding them adieu on their journey into the higher realms of spiritual peace and harmony this happens naturally and spontaneously because i have embraced the idea and occurrence of death from the very first time i came across it as a little child what more can i say god is great i embrace isn't just about my journey of conquering cancer it's about embracing life in all its entanglement and beauty remember in this journey of life you are never alone and i need to thank you for becoming a part of this inspiring journey thank you for joining me today on i embrace and my heartfelt wishes stay resilient stay positive and most importantly keep embracing life in all its glory